0: Welcome to From Fear to Fear. Fire. Secrets to overcome fear, embrace your gifts, and achieve success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill, and I am your host and excited to be with you again this week. My quote today was given to me by my guests, and I'm super excited to share it with you and to discuss it further with him by john wesley do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as you as, ever as you can i think i got that somewhat close i may be slightly off um, but I think you're going to get where we're going with that one. So my amazing guest today is Dave Combs, and he is a songwriter, entrepreneur, business executive, and best-selling author. Over the past four decades, he's written over 120 songs and created 15 albums of soothing, relaxing, instrumental piano music including the popular standard Rachel song. It's beautiful. If you haven't heard it already, you must check it out. He's the author of the best-selling book, Touched by the Music. The book is about an inspired song, the man who wrote it, the successful music business that grew from it, and the millions of people whose lives continue to be touched by Dave's peaceful music and his uplifting stories. So yes, this is going to be an inspirational session. You got it. Lots to learn here. So let's just dive in. Dave, how are you today?
1: I am doing wonderful, Heather. It's a very rather warm day here in North Carolina. I just got back from a seven mile bicycle ride. So I'm feeling energized this morning.
0: Oh, I love love that so much I had my my walk on the beach this morning but it was so early it hadn't hit those 80s and 90s yet so I don't know how you made that bike ride in that in this weather but I'm glad that you did and I'm glad you're energized from it thank you oh so, all right let's let's talk about your music let's talk about you know your first song and and how you came to be inspired by the music and share it with others
1: well, music has been a part of my life since I was born. My mother and father both played the piano and loved music. My grandmother Combs, she was born in 1894 and she loved music. She, it was a big part of her life at church. And so she had, she would play the old pump organ. Mm-hmm. Which back before electricity, they had to pump the air with your feet on the organ. And then she would, her favorite instrument was at home was the auto harp. And that instrument was a kind of a country instrument made famous, I guess, by Mother Maybelle Carter. You can Google that or YouTube that and see what it sounds like with her singing it. But my granny Combs could make that thing talk. And actually, when she passed away, I inherited her her auto harp, which I know we're not gonna be on video, but I'm holding it right in my hands here. This is my granny's auto harp. And I will strum a note or two so those of you listening can hear what it sounds like. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound! I can oh, just I love hear it. My, my granny. I can just hear her. Uh, you know, I, she'd have me tune it up for her when I would go see her, and mm. and and I would I'd hand it to her, and then she would just and I, she didn't play it like that. She played. She made it talk. <laughs> and so she she could really play and sing. So that that was my earliest early memories of music in my life, and through church and. And through school, I was active in high school. We had our own Mr. Holland's Opus person at high school. His, his name was Uncle Pat Alderman. And if, if you go to Irwin, Tennessee, in Unicoi County, and ask anybody, do you know or of, uh, do you remember Uncle Pat? And they'll say, Oh yes, we. He influenced a lot of people to love music. And then, I, of course, in college, I was a math major, physics minor in technology. I worked in the computer center and. I was a computer programmer my early career at, at Western Electric, AT&T, in technology all my corporate life. Mm-hmm. But music was always there, too. You know, I was a part-time choir director at my home church for two years, my last two years in college. And, and then my first two years when I got my job at Western Electric, I, there was a local church that I was the part-time minister of music for. Mm-hmm. So music's still a big part of it. But roll the calendar forward to where I'm now 33 years old. I have yet to write my first song. I've been involved, love playing music, singing music from everybody else. But I've never written my own song. One evening in January of 1981, I sat down at my piano like I did almost every day when I came home from work just to relax. Playing the piano was always so relaxing. I sat down at my piano and this evening I played this song. I just played it. I didn't try to write a song. I didn't even realize that I was playing something that was made up or anything. Mm-hmm. I just played it. And so I, in looking back, that was an inspiration. That song was a gift to me. Yes. Uh, by, by God on high, I think. And it, it was. I was just the fortunate one that he chose from, to play it the first time. So, I, so I,
0: I think of that as, um, I consider that a, an inspired download it's yeah it came through you you were the vessel right
1: that's a great that way to Rachel put it song that was rachel's song now at the time of course it didn't have a name right all it was was a tune
0: yes
1: and i would play it i it was in the key of c very simple song sounded great mm-hmm. and i'd play it a lot and the, a couple of days later my wife linda came home from work from her job and she says dave what is the name of this song i have stuck in my head all day long i've been humming it and I, what's the name of it she hummed a little bit of it and i said well linda it doesn't have a name she said what you write, you play it all the time i said yeah i guess it's just something i made up and so she got all excited and said well you you better write it down and i said well okay and so i did write it down and here is i know you folks on the on audio can't see it but oh, here is be
0: pulling the, some video from this dave you got some good stuff here
1: that yeah. is that is how this is my first time i wrote the song down yeah. And it's uh, as you can see, it's just a simple in the key of C, very simple with simple chords. So I wrote it down with the melody in the chords, put it in my piano bench. And that was 1981, mm-hmm. 1983, a couple of years later, some f- good friends of ours have a little baby girl named Rachel. And her parents asked me and Linda to be her god- godparents. Mm-hmm. And so at, at little Rachel's christening service. Linda and I are sitting there with the family and the minister. It's a private service in a little country church. And up at the front of the church in the front of the middle of the platform is a beautiful baby grand black piano. And so I'm sitting there watching, you know, listening to the wonderful service, of course, but out of the corner of my eye, I see this piano. And at the end of toward the end of the formal part of the service, I punched Linda and I said, Hey, you know that song we've been trying to think of a name for and can't ever come up with a name how about i play it now as part of this service seems like it's just the perfect fit so yeah, okay so i walked up and asked the minister and the and the family if it'd be okay if i played a song on the piano of course they said yes i walked over to the piano sat down and started playing and the song sounded so beautiful in this little country church there wasn't anybody in it but us so it echoed through the whole sanctuary it sounded great mm-hmm. and then about as i was getting th- mostly through the song i hear this <laughs> sniffles and <clears throat> clearing the throat oh, and baby. you know everybody's you know really touching and i noticed i was having some little teardrops coming out of my eyes it's a you know a, a christening service is tender anyway <laughs> and then you put on top of that some tender music it just uh, it it's really touching. So at the end of the song, when I finished playing it, I looked up at little Rachel in the arms of her mother and I said, OK, from now on, this song will be called Rachel's song in her honor. Mm-hmm. And that's how the song got its name. And it was the perfect fit for the song. It just everything just fit perfectly.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: so then
0: a beautiful song. Go ahead. Then what happened?
1: Well, then, you know, that was uh, you know, I'd play this. I'd play Rachel's song then for real, and, and everybody enjoyed me playing it. And then three years later, I was doing a lot of traveling with with Western Electric at the time. This was 1986. And one of the places I was having to work all during the week and come home on weekends was Nashville, Tennessee. Ah. Music City, USA. Mm-hmm. And so Linda says Why don't you find a recording studio and a musician? And let's get a professional recording made a demo made of Rachel's song. Oh, okay, I can do that. So after work one evening, I'm driving around Nashville, trying to look for a studio. And I go over into the part of Nashville that they call Music Square. It's about a two square block area that has everything in it is music related, like the Country Music Hall of Fame and Mm -hmm. ASCAP headquarters, BMI headquarters and the old RCA studios that you can get a tour. Yeah. And so I'm going down one side street called Roy Acuff Place. Mm-hmm. And you may remember Roy Acuff was a famous, much loved musician in Nashville. And at the end of the street was this big building and it had a barn shaped roof. And out on the corner of the street was this big water wheel that they'd obviously moved from some mill someplace. Mm-hmm. And the sign on the side of the building said the music mill. <laughs> OK, all right. So I pulled in the parking lot and looked over and sure enough, there was a I could see through the door. There was a man sitting there. And so I knocked on the door and he came, unlocked the door and opened it, and said, hello, I'm George Clinton. Can I help you? And now it's a different George Clinton than everybody thinks about immediately. There must be a lots of George Clintons in the world. But this fella was a recording engineer in Nashville, Tennessee. And so he and I told him what I was looking for. And he said, Well, come on in. And as I stepped into the lobby, I look over on the left and up on the wall is this huge life size picture of Glenn Campbell. Uh And then here in front of me was this big panorama picture of the group, Alabama. Uh And over here is the Forrester sisters. And then there's gold records and platinum records framed all around the walls. You can just picture it. It was obviously they were proud of all these accomplishments for their artists. And so <laughs> he, he said, Well, this is a studio. And I, I said, There must be a dandy because I've never been in one. And this is impressive. And I, he said, Well, let me give you a tour. He said, There's nobody recording right now, which is very unusual. But let's go over into Studio A and I'll show you what it's all about. So we went over there and, this, and go in this big room and you could put an orchestra in this big room. It was a huge, re, you know, music hall for the musicians. Over in the corner was a nine foot concert grand piano and uh, isolation room, rooms around the walls with, you know, the glass wall. And, and he said, well, let's go over into the control room where the engineer works. I said, OK. So he opens this great big thick, about eight inches thick door, soundproof door. We open it up and go in. First thing I see is this console. Now, this thing must have been eight feet long. and It had rows and rows and rows of sliders and switches and knobs and every, everything. I think I later learned it had about 32 tracks that it would keep track of. And then around the wall were all these recording tape machines or digital tape, machine, analog tape machines. And you could have great big thick glass window that you could look out into where the musicians were mm-hmm. and big monitor speakers on the side of the wall where you could hear the sound. And I thought, wow, this is impressive. How much does this place go for and how how much it cost? And he said it's one hundred and twenty five dollars an hour plus engineer. Mm -hmm. This was 1986, Mm -hmm. which that was a lot of money in 1986. In fact, in today's dollars, it would be over four hundred dollars an hour plus engineer. That's expensive. Yeah. So I'm sure he saw me kind of (laughs) look disappointed. He said, well, don't worry. The fellow who owns this studio owns a small studio across the street in a little Formerly rent house. It's got a baby grand piano, a small control room. It'll do the trick. Fifteen dollars an hour plus engineer.
0: Okay, that's more palatable.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he said that was my reaction exactly. Okay, let's do this. So he said, I said, well, now all I need is I need a musician that will arrange and perform my demo for me of my little piano song, simple song on a piano. He thought for a second, he says, I know just the person. He says his name is Gary Prim. He said, I've known Gary forever and we go to church together. He's a wonderful session musician, piano, keyboard player. And he said he'd he'll, he'll do a great job for you. Let me go look up his phone number for you. So we went back to his desk <clears throat> and he wrote down Gary's phone number for me, and gave it to me. I thanked him profusely, got out my rent- rental car and I hightailed it back to the hotel so I could call Gary. And you, and you might think, well, why didn't you call him on the cell phone? Well, this was 1986.
0: Yeah, I, I was doing the math.
1: <laughs> <laughs> cell phones hadn't even been invented. The Internet <laughs> hadn't even been thought about. Yeah. And so I had to go where I had a landline to call Gary. So I went to my hotel room and, and called him. Got his answering machine. He called me back in about 30 minutes. Hello, this is Gary Prem. Can I help you? Uh, sure, Gary, uh, George Clinton says you can do a great job of recording a demo song that I've written. And he said, I'd be glad to do that. And I said, Well, Gary, what do you need for me to send you so that you can do this for me? He said, all I need is a recording of you playing it so I can tell what it sounds like. And I, I need a lead sheet. I said, oh, oh what? what's a lead sheet? Uh, he says, oh, a lead sheet is nothing but the melody and the chords written out on a piece of paper. Yep. i said well i've got that i just didn't know to call it a lead sheet and <laughs> that's what and, that is and, and, and that's exactly idea. what this is my lead sheet so i made a copy of this uh-huh. a lead sheet with the melody and the chords mailed it to gary along with a cassette tape recording of me playing it yeah. and on august the 22nd 1986 i met gary for the first time at this tiny little studio across the street from the music mill and it was at six o'clock and i will never forget that precise time and moment because it changed my life basically mm-hmm. gary comes walking in with his synthesizer under his arm it's a little uh, not a little it's an analog yamaha dx7 synthesizer and so he comes in i meet him he's a really friendly fellow. we just hit it off just like that and so he comes in sets up and starts you know warming up on the piano and i go into the control room with the engineer and Pretty soon, Gary's ready to record. So the engineer plus pushes the record button, says, "We're rolling," and uh, we Gary starts playing the song. Now, I had never heard my song played by anybody but me. I had no idea what to expect. You know, it's kind of a one of those you know moments where you're you're just anticipating what am I going to hear? How's this going to sound? Little nervous. Oh, it was magnificent! I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Well, he got most of the way through and he stopped he just hit the keys and up oh, stop or let's rewind this i can do better than that so he we re- rewound the tape i'll start all over yeah. and this time gary gets all the way through the song perfectly nailed it Did not a single sour note in the whole thing so if he had have stopped right there i'd have been pleased as punch because it was, sounded just fantastic the way it was Gary says, I've got some other ideas for this song that I want to make it really special. I said, OK. He said, I want to put in some electric piano sound mm-hmm. on top of the real piano sound. They call it, he called it doubling, yeah, basically yeah. playing the same thing on the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And then I want to add some bottom and top. I want to put in some low strings and some high strings. And then they're right in some places it needs a little punch. So I want to put in some horn, the horn sound. Okay, so we get pushed for two more recording tracks. He does the electric piano part, nailed it. I mean, right on top of the notes, you can't even when you listen to it, you can't even tell that there's two instruments playing. It sounds like one mm-hmm. Then two more tracks. We do the low strings. He listens to himself in the head, headphones as he's playing and, and does the, the low strings. Two more tracks and we do the high strings, you know, the high, like that violin sounds. And then the last two tracks were the was the horn sounds. And he he got all that recorded and he did something in the song that I did not do. And it it was fantastic. I played it in the key of C all the way through just the key of C. He played the verse and the chorus through twice in the key of C. But for the third time through, he instantly transposed it up a half a step to the key of c sharp or d flat whichever you want to call it yeah. up a half a step no no modulation or anything it was just boom yeah. boom boom, and then boom right you're, you're up in the, upper, the yeah. upper key and when you hear the song it will just give you a, a kind of a boost of energy it just raises the energy level of the song mm-hmm. really fantastic so i am just <laughs> i wish i had a, a video of me in that control room because i'm it's sure i was so absolutely warm. in total <laughs> awe of what was going on Yeah. And anyway, so Gary comes into the control room. We've the engineer puts it all together and plays it on the monitor speakers. And so we're listening to it. And Gary says, yep, I like it. I've, it's I think it's just right what I had in mind. I said, it is perfect, Gary. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I wrote him a check for the amount agreed upon fee for the recording session. Mm-hmm. And he got his synthesizer and out the door he goes. And I thought, wow, that was incredible for, you know, it only took him like an hour, maybe a a little over an hour possibly mm-hmm. to do all of that and i said i to myself I, I i don't know whether i'll ever see that young man again or not but this was absolutely incredible and little did i know that gary prim and i would go back into the studio over a hundred and for over a hundred and seventy different songs and record over a 15-year period
0: oh that's beautiful
1: he uh you know he he became more like family to me than than uh, just a friend he is a friend but he is a very close friend and we still stay in touch uh al- almost every week we're sending something back and forth and he and his wife julie and their two kids are just they're just wonderful people just i love them all you so, know, so anyway
0: like there's this connection like when you when you meet somebody like that and you have a collaboration it's a heart-centered collaboration Mm -hmm. and then you come back together and it's just meant to be
1: yeah because later on when i would write more songs and send them to gary i learned really quickly that not only did he do exactly what i would have imagined in my mind for rachel's song all my other 120 plus songs i wrote he did the same thing and when you you know i have 15 albums of music and when you listen to any of them there are no bad songs on any of the the recordings. You know, sometimes when you'd go back, at least I did. When I would buy a record, mm-hmm. this was back when I bought vinyl records. Yeah. You you know, I'd love the track one and I'd love track seven or whatever, and the rest of them, yeah, you know, it's kind of so so. Yeah. That's not true with my uh, with my albums. I cannot tell you any track on any of my albums that is of a lesser quality than I would have expected. It, they're all fantastic, and that's. Largely, I think, due to the the masterful gifts of Gary Prem and his uh, creative ability and his performing ability in the studio. He's absolutely phenomenal. Mm. So that was the recording yeah. of Rachel's song, and it was just absolutely an amazing experience.
0: And is that what um, obviously must have inspired the book Touched by the Music?
1: Right. Yes. Yes. So, how was
0: that process in writing about it, and and does it is it meant to inspire a particular particular type of people, or to, as far as like um, business people, or anyone, or who, who what, who's it served?
1: Well, in and having written it now, and by the way, the forward to my book was written by our friend Jack Canfield. He's a wonderful person and the author co author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Mm-hmm and jack loved rachel's song he loves making the present he loves rachel's song always had since the minute he heard it and uh, he was so taken by the song and my stories about the song which we'll talk a little bit about that he encouraged me to to write the book and and jack wrote the forward to my book and
0: can i share dave the the quote from jack about it
1: Sure. Absolutely.
0: About Dave, that not only is he the composer of some of the most beautiful music I have ever heard, but he is a man of faith and has the heart of someone wanting to make a difference in this world. He's a great storyteller and writer. So, I mean, from Jack, that's I think that's saying something. So tell us more about about the book and about the process.
1: Well, the book—it turns out—is a collection of my stories about, and including the one I've just told about the writing of the music and the naming of the song, and and the recording of what I just told you. Those stories are in the book, as are about seventy other stories. of the of, It's really a story of a journey from one song to today, and what all has happened with. not just Rachel's song, but all the subsequent songs that I wrote and albums I recorded and and then how I ended up basically selling the music to or making it available to the world. And back in the day, it was through cassette tapes and CDs. Today, it's by downloads and streaming. So the world has changed, but the music's still there. The music is the same. And in fact, when we're finished, when I will give you an address to the website. But when you go to the website, one of the links on the front page is says Play Rachel's Song. Mm -hmm. And I promise you what you will hear is that exact recording that I just described, unedited, not remastered anything. You will hear exactly what I heard on August 22nd, 1986. So now that I've described it for you, uh, I hope I've got your curiosity peaked
0: (laughs) to that version, because I've heard the symphony one that yes. you, you've done. So I want to go back and listen to that one now that I know the story.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. but anyway, the book itself, this collection of stories, yes, it seems to touch, obviously, music, people who love music, mm-hmm. and certainly people who have loved my music over the last 40 plus years. But it also seems to apply to the entrepreneurial side of things. You know, I'm a business person. I have my MBA from Wake Forest University, so I'm a business person. And I tell the stories in my book about how I built the music, the business side of the music. You know, how did you go from getting your albums produced? How do you get your music sold out into the world? How do you find retail establishments to sell it? Or this day and time, you sell it over Amazon.com or or streaming over all the Spotify's and the mm-hmm. iHeartRadio's and Pandora's of the world. But that journey of all those stories of where my music business trans. Uh, transpired over the years that's in my book too so it's really kind of a I think in fact in the forward Jack says that my book is kind of a primer or a a primer for people wanting to get something out into the world because it is the story of getting my song and my music out into the world and what and what happened once it got there is is the rest of the story as Paul Harvey used to say
0: Uh, Yeah, well, we need to, we need to leave them hanging so they get it and they get the rest of the story, Dave. That's awesome. So, you know, we were speaking before we recorded this about, um, something that is near and dear to my heart. And I would like your take on it because I, I have a sneaking suspicion that you come from that same heart center place. Um, especially since everything that you've been talking about so far. So, um, I am on a mission to both find and expand humanity. And I believe that it comes by helping leaders uh, to be able to find that uh, purpose-driven part of themselves and share it out in the world and find good and do good. And so um, I would like your take on what you would recommend for people who are looking, are seeking humanity, who want to do good in the world and who know that they have the, the possibility, they have within them uh, the potential to make real change. So, so what, are, what are your feelings on that?
1: Well, I just take my example, which is a very humble and simple example of taking a gift of writing a song or producing music I could have left that song you know, my lead sheet. I could have left this piece of paper in my piano bench and never done anything with it, and it would still be there today and nobody would ever know about Rachel's song, but I didn't do that. And so my message for people in the world is to discover your, or at least find a way to recognize. And if not, if you don't know it yet, you may try to discover your gifts. Everyone that is alive has gifts of some sort. Mm -hmm. And whether that gift is uh, one of performing music, writing music, doing sculpture, doing painting, uh, public speaking, uh, consulting, uh, all kinds of coaching, teaching, uh, there's all kinds of gifts. Or maybe it's just you have a gift of a beautiful smile that when you smile at some stranger walking by in the grocery store or whatever, you light up their life for just a few seconds. You know, that is a gift. So. My first thing is to say to recognize and discover your gifts, and the second thing is to take action and get that gift out into the world. Give it away. You know, find a way to give your gifts away to other people that will help help other other people in the world. And my gift of music, I have heard from over fifty thousand people who have written to me about my music and how it touched their lives, and that was the. One of the main impetuses for the book was all this correspondence that I'd gotten from people over the years, 50,000 is a lot, but, uh, you know, find out how, how you can get your message, your gift, expose it to as many people as you can, whether it's through your, just your, your, your neighborhood, your friends and family and whatever, or if you have something that you are very creative and can go beyond that through using the media in the medium of the internet and mm-hmm. and we have such wonderful tools available today like you and I you know we're you know a few hundred miles apart but it's you might as well be in the room right here with me right. at, and or you can be halfway around the world it doesn't matter so you can share your gifts uh, electronically and virtually these days anywhere in the world anytime in the world so we have that wonderful ability to do that so my i guess my statement about the state of the world and how you inter- interface and make it a better place is just find your gift and, ex- and give your gift away and keep keep on taking action with your gift don't just sit back and say well i'm done yeah. you know, i'm not going to do anything else i'm just going to sit here and watch tv or whatever but <laughs> you uh, you get out and do something and share your gifts with other people whatever nice. they are
0: I love it. I knew you would have something wonderful to add on this topic. I appreciate that. So unbelievably, you know, the time is absolutely flying by. So here's what I would love. I would love three things. First one is some type of a tip that you have for our entrepreneurs out there, since you do a lot with entrepreneurs. Um, The second one would be how people can find you. And the third one is those parting words of wisdom. So let's start with a tip for our entrepreneurs.
1: The tip for entrepreneurs is always, I think, start with action. And then secondly, don't ever let anybody steal your dream. Mm. Surround yourself with people who lift you up and support you and 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 make sure that you're moving forward. And as somebody I heard the other day said, you know, when you're sitting still, you can turn that steering wheel on the car all you want to. You're not going to move and you're not going to change any direction. You have to be moving forward to change direction. And so to move, to make a right decision and move in the right direction, you have to be moving. So take action and don't let anybody steal your dream.
0: I love that one. Okay. So even though we're going to put some links into the show notes for everyone, if they are right now with pen in hand, Mm -hmm. ready to write it down, how would they get a hold of you?
1: Or even if you don't have a pen in hand, just (laughs) remember my last name, Combs, C-O-M-B-S, and go to combsmusic.com. That's my website. I've made it very simple, very, it's not a busy website at all. You'll go to my homepage, and on the left side of the page, you'll see the picture of my book. Mm-hmm. And underneath it will be a link that says buy from amazon.com. That's nice, on, easy. <laughs> that's easy. It. And on the, right, the other side of the page, on the, the right side, you'll see a picture of my CD uh, mm-hmm. recording of Rachel's song. Underneath it's a link that says buy from amazon.com. Click on that and it will go right to the page where you can either buy a CD or you can download the music, uh, purchase an MP3 file of the, either the whole album or just the song. Or if you're an Amazon music subscriber, you can start streaming it. And then in the middle of the page, we've already talked about it. There's a link that says play Rachel's song. So when you go to my website, I want you to be sure, click on that and it is the real, the actual recording free you can listen to it for free and actually there's a thing on you can actually download it if you want to but it's uh, the the exact recording that I talked about in the studio so and my email address is at the bottom of the screen and it's just Dave at CombsMusic.com. so I made it very simple for people to get a hold of me and I love to hear people and I hope that touch your life as well
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And you know, everyone out there listening, when you get a chance to listen to Rachel's song, I'm sure you'll be moved by it. Make sure to let Dave know. We love that. Make sure to let us know, leave a review for the show, share it out in the world. So Dave, it's time. It's time for your words of wisdom. Come on, give me that one last burning nugget that you want to leave everyone with.
1: Well, I hope everyone has a wonderful, blessed life and a blessed month of June or whenever you're listening to this, that you are at peace. I hope you're you're in a peaceful place and I hope that my music brings you some peace.
0: And it will. It certainly will. Thank you so much for your time and this little bit of peace today, Dave. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Heather. It's been my pleasure.